it's a medical issue. Um, when early on people start developing, say, weight gain, and you know, I agree that word obesity kind of has a stigma, and really, it's not the full picture because BMI doesn't really tell the whole story. Um, we know that there's lots of cases of people who have a normal BMI and they're not healthy. So I don't think that we can only define health by just weight or BMI. Welcome back to another episode of the Plant-Based DFW podcast show with Dr. Risa and Maya, where we discuss topics related to lifestyle medicine. And before I introduce Dr. Richa Mitzel, I wanted to give you some insight to the conversation that I had with her. She is an obesity medicine specialist, which means that she works with individuals who struggle with weight issues. We talk about words such as dieting, which have a passing and fleeting characteristic to it. We talk about obesity and how we cannot define a person's health by simply looking at their weight. We talk about stigmas, we talk about normalizing weight issues, and also about the importance of self-acceptance and compassion. Physicians do not necessarily know how to address the weight issue and sometimes completely avoid it during their consultations. Therefore, Dr. Mitzel co-founded the Dallas Obesity Society, which was designed to educate healthcare providers on how to talk about the subject and what resources to offer their patients. We hope that you enjoy this episode and please let me know how you feel about this topic. Would you want your physician to have more training on how to address weight issues with you? And today, my guest is Dr. Richa Mittel, and I'm very excited to have her because she actually specializes in obesity medicine. She uh, received her medical degree from the UT Health Science Center at San Antonio and completed a residency in internal medicine at McGaw Memorial Hospital of Northwestern University in Chicago, Illinois. She is a diplomat of the American Board of Obesity Medicine. She is excited to offer integrative and personalized medical weight loss and preventive health services in Frisco, Texas by establishing Radiant Health Weight Loss and Wellness. She feels confident that together with her experience and her firsthand understanding that she can prevent and treat diseases by focusing on the underlying uh, cause of health problems. Dr. Mittal is Vice President of the Dallas Obesity Society, member of the Texas Medical Association, Obesity Medicine Association and the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, and she resides in Frisco with her husband and two children. And in her spare time, she enjoys yoga, fitness, cooking, reading, and traveling. So welcome, Dr. Mittal. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm so excited to learn about you that you're actually not too far from Dallas. You're in Frisco, Texas, and I would love to learn more about you and your practice. Are you originally from Texas? I am, but I grew up in the Houston area. And then when my studies for my residency, et cetera, took me uh, out of Texas, I spent the last uh, probably like 14 years outside of Texas as I as I met my husband and we kind of moved all over the country. Uh, but luckily, about three and a half years ago, I was able to come back home to Texas. And now we live in Frisco. So it's really kind of been a homecoming because I went to UT for undergrad and a lot of my really close friends live here. So it's like being home. <laughs> Is he also in medicine? No, he is not. He's completely non-medical. <laughs> That's another conversation, yes. So how did you decide to specialize in obesity? And is that a fairly new field? Yeah, so, you know, my path really started probably within the last 10 years. So I finished up my residency. I used to work as a hospitalist. 
um, in that, so in the hospital, taking care of people who have all the end stages of things, right? Heart disease, heart attacks, uh, strokes, um, end results of diabetes, you know, all of that. And um, I love the intensity of that work, but I always felt like I was made to be on the preventive side of things. That's just something that I had um, just not medically, but even personally been really passionate about. So um, about eight years ago, I um, had the opportunity um, just kind of in passing to become the medical director of a weight loss clinic. And I became fascinated by the field because I realized, wow, we really have been uh, missing the boat here. And um, not to say that those treatments and things that I was doing weren't important, but I felt like that was a uh, area of medicine that really wasn't getting as much attention as it should, which was treating the root cause of all these other issues. So I um, became interested in that and did a lot of self-study and then eventually became uh, a diplomat of the Board of Obesity Medicine. And um, I realized that when I set up my practice two years ago, um, I set it up as a membership direct care practice. So I wanted to be able to spend time with people. I wanted to be able to counsel them and really give them the tools in addition to the medical evaluation and all of that. So I spend time talking about nutrition and stress management and sleep and social connections. And then I found the field of American Board of Lifestyle Medicine. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm already practicing this, but let me do more. So I'm actually about to take that exam and become board certified in that too, uh, because I just love, um, you know, taking those tools and getting that information and then being able to pass it on to my patients. So um, I'm really excited about where that will go next. But the, the reason why I structured my practice that way was I felt like within the confines of traditional medicine, I wasn't getting to spend that time, right? Um, and we know that those types of interventions really take um, a very personalized approach in addition to being able to spend time with people. So um, I set my practice up like that. I see my patients, they're enrolled in a membership program with me. I see them every month and then weekly I'm in touch with everybody and they can reach out if they're having issues. And that way I can, you know, really treat root cause, but also in a way that I think it's conducive for how I want to practice medicine, but also how, what, what serves them. You know, the first time I heard of this form of practicing medicine in the plant-based community, that is um, concierge medicine. It's, yeah. it's more like direct care, but I think people resonate with what concierge is more because that's more well-known. Typical concierge practices bill insurance and they have a concierge fee. I don't bill insurance. So it's just kind of a direct care type of model. Yes. The first time I heard about um, a program like that was a cardiologist that I met in South Florida who really took changed her practice. She was frustrated with dealing with insurance companies and, um, and not having enough time with her patients. So she developed something like yours, which is a membership program, and it's so fulfilling for her patients. There, she's more involved in um, offering nutrition classes and just really having a sort of a support group that she has developed. How do you teach these other components of lifestyle medicine? Yeah. So, so far, as far as the nutrition counseling and things, I'm doing that myself. Um, I actually love food as medicine and 
nutrition. It's, it's one of my passions. I, I love creating recipes and sharing information about, you know, just how we can make substitutions to really take the traditional dishes that everyone's used to eating and making them healthier. So I am doing a lot of that on my own right now. I do work with other physicians um, and especially psychologists. So, you know, a a lot of times, um, at least the population of people that I see um, is not only people who are looking to optimize their nutrition, but really are needing help from the medical weight management side of things. And so, you know, a lot of times the emotional drivers of what drive our decisions, including what we eat, how we eat, how we think about food, um, and even just behavior change alone, oftentimes we have to kind of move the needle on our relationship with food. And that is something that I collaborate with local psychologists to refer patients to, to work with them on that aspect. I see a lot of eating disorders, especially like binge eating, mm-hmm. um, which you know requires that specialized care along with what I'm doing with them. And then the other component is that a lot of times people who've been dealing with weight issues, you know, and, and it's kind of one of those things which one came first, but um, often have issues with anxiety and depression that may be being self-medicated often with food or alcohol or other habits. And so I, I definitely collaborate with the mental health, um, you know, behavioral uh, health specialists. And then I also collaborate with bariatric surgeons when it's uh it's uh, appropriate to do that. I will say that a lot of the patients that I get are kind of like, no, no, I really don't want to do that right now. Um, You know, because, uh, but then I tell them, you know, really it's a matter of um, to looking at all the different options for treatment on a spectrum. And even if somebody has bariatric surgery, we still have to work on all the lifestyle and nutrition components of your wellness. Mm -hmm. And I see patients after bariatric surgery as well, because I often have patients who reach out after surgery, maybe three or four years after when they start regaining weight. Unfortunately, that is a reality. Um, About 30% of of people who have a gastric bypass, and those numbers are even more for people who've had bands and things like that, regain weight. So we have to have a more comprehensive type of approach. So I definitely collaborate with other um, specialists, um, also endocrinologists. The word obesity has such a stigma. And, you know, with here in the United States, having two thirds of the people being either afflicted with being overweight or obese, I can see how obesity medicine is probably a growing field. How do people decide to then go from dieting to finally having a specialist like yourself? Yeah, so I think that what attracts people, I think, is that I really try to avoid talking about, I, I, I don't like the word dieting, right? So yes. it, it kind of has a very passing, fleeting characteristic to it. Like, oh, I'm on a diet. So then I'm off a diet. Um, so I think that what I try to talk about um, in my blog and in my outreach is really embracing a lifestyle change and um, and really understanding that um, it does take a comprehensive approach. I think people who've dealt with these issues for a long time, they deal with a lot of um, judgment, not only from others, but from themselves, right? Because you often might feel like a failure, like, oh, I did this diet, I lost the weight, then I regained the weight. 
that has very detrimental effects, not only physically, but even mentally. So I think that people, um, as more, as we can provide more education about, you know, it's not about judgment. It's not about body shaming. Um, everybody is worth exactly everything that they are, no matter what their body size, but it's about health and it's about prevention. And so when we can first acknowledge that, and then also acknowledge that, you know, when so many people in our, in our country and in our population are dealing with an issue, it can sometimes become normalized where everyone around us just may have a certain appearance and we don't maybe feel as different or we're like, well, you know, everyone around me is kind of like this, so I must be okay. But actually it's kind of a systemic thing that's happening and it's, it's very complicated, right? The reasons why. Um, because of how our food system is and how, um, you know, how, how we eat as a society and as a culture, um, it's very complicated. Um, so I think taking out judgment, understanding that it's about health, and then really understanding that um, it's a medical issue. Um, when early on people start developing, say, weight gain, and, you know, I agree that word obesity kind of has a stigma and really it's not the full picture because BMI doesn't really tell the whole story. Um, we know that there's lots of cases of people who have a normal BMI and they're not healthy. So I don't think that we can only define health by just weight or BMI. Um, that's really not capturing everybody, <laughs> but really understanding that um, it's a medical issue when we start gaining weight, especially in our midsection and around those abdominal organs and if we start showing signs of high blood pressure, high cholesterol, pre-diabetes, diabetes, fatty liver is becoming the most common cause of needing a liver transplant, you know, that's a problem. And we have to face it, but without judgment and really with compassion and coming from science. Thank you for clarifying that because you often wonder how can you help or support uh, people who want to be healthier and maybe overweight. That's a big message that we try to convey to the people that, you know, reach out to us or attend anything that we do is that we're, we're not here to focus on weight. We're here to focus on wellness and living a healthier life. So then how do people decide that they're ready to see someone like yourself? Well, I think that that buzzword weight loss is what sometimes drives people. And it may not be that they're only being driven by that, but I find that then that's my opportunity to educate them about, well, hey, guess what? Like one of the side effects is going to be weight loss, but these are all the other benefits that you're going to achieve through the changes that we're going to make together. And, you know, when it comes to weight loss itself, there's so much stuff out there, right? And a lot of it is not really evidence-based or science-based. And I think that it can sometimes be predatory. Um, you know, people are trying to sell you something. Um, and so those people, um, I, I think, are a wary group of people. And, the, and I think I would be too, because there's a lot of things that are going to take advantage of you. So I think when you come from a place of, look, I want to educate you on why these changes matter, and why, yes, one of the side benefits is going to be weight loss, but you're also going to decrease your risk of X, Y, and Z. Those are the things that you can hold on to when you kind of say to yourself, oh my gosh, I've been doing this diet and I'm tired of this diet. Um, that's not what keeps you going. What keeps you going is that those 
um, you know, kind of other goals that are outside of just how one might look. So I think that that's really important to keep in mind. I mean, obesity is still a medical term, right? It may sound judgmental to some. What is the right word? Yeah. So one thing that, you know, is stressed by when we do the um, obesity medicine training um, is that we don't call people obese. So we say they have obesity, right? And there's actually a difference, right? Because in one term, you're defining a person by it versus saying they have high blood pressure, they have this, and they have obesity. So that's number one is it's called patient first language, because it's not defining them. And it's not a judgment. I think also, even when we talk about overweight, you know, that's a medical condition. And so I think um, the medical system is a bit behind, to be honest, on this. And even the ICD codes of like something like morbid obesity, that word is just sounds horrible. It's horrible. Or to say, um, there's a diagnosis for excess body weight due to too many calories or something like that. Um, I think, that, you know, there's a lot of change coming there. And a lot of us physicians who treat patients, and who are specialized in this, we try to further that message and really make other doctors and, you know, healthcare providers aware of the fact that even within medicine, we have to admit there is a stigma that people who carry excess body weight face. And we have to look at ourselves and make sure that we're correcting those biases because whether they're intentional or not, they affect our patients. They do. I once read somewhere that the majority of the patients that have weight issues actually feel the judgment from their physician. Uh, and primary care physicians are not really trained in working with uh, individuals and how to help them with weight loss, right? It's usually the prescription is eat less, exercise more. Well, I think that, you know, unfortunately, they're the gatekeepers and they're, they're the first line, right? And our primary care doctors are doing the best that they can within the confines of the medical system and the way it's set up. And they don't have the time to be able to talk about these things because these are complicated. I think number one, you know, so that's one of our missions and with, a, with the Dallas Obesity Society that we founded was to educate other healthcare providers on how to talk about this subject and what resources to offer. Because you have to know where a person is when they walk into your exam room and we should be asking, well, I don't ask because they're coming to me for that purpose, but a primary care physician can ask, would you like to discuss your weight today? There are some things that you may not be aware of that could be affecting your health. And it could be great to have this conversation if you would like to today <laughs> and get permission to talk about it. A lot of times patient might say, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. And then you might just offer again the next time versus they might be waiting to talk about it. And I've had patients who've come to me. So I do a free informational consult when they are interested in becoming my patient. You know, I think that it's important for them to know uh, what, what they're getting into <laughs> and um, for me to better explain to them what I can do for them because it's so unique. So when we do that informational consult, a lot of times I've had someone who came and told me, he goes, you know, I got diagnosed with high blood pressure. I was put on blood pressure medication. I was put on 
cholesterol, medication, my doctor didn't ask me or tell me that I needed to lose weight or that, or that maybe I could make some changes that might help. And I just, you know, I said, well, you know, I'm that, that is unfortunate. Um, and I don't think it's intentional. I think a lot of times it's the lack of training on the, on the physician side in the field of medicine. I think a lot of times it's they, maybe they don't want to offend you. Right. Um, or, or, or perhaps there's just not that time. So I think that we're, so what we're doing is trying to educate other healthcare providers on how to start the conversation. And then just like you would refer to somebody for another medical issue, refer to a healthcare provider or a physician who is specialized in this so that they can partner with you in the care of this person so that they're not left to, I had another patient who found some kind of program on Instagram, like a weight loss 90 day challenge and kind of did it on her own. And now is coming to me because she's like, oh my God, I can't exercise for four hours a day and barely eat. This is not going to be sustainable. And she never knew that there was maybe um, a doctor out there that could help her. How unfortunate. Tell us a little bit more about the Dallas Obesity Society. Yeah, so the Dallas Obesity Society, we're a group of uh, physicians and um, other healthcare providers. We have a nurse practitioner on the board and a registered dietitian as well. And we decided to basically found this organization to be able to provide. And, you know, with COVID, <laughs> our reach has now gone national because um, it used to be that we would do the events locally, right, in the DFW area. Um, so we've been putting on um, uh, a few lecture series. We've done uh, a few CME events. We have another one coming out this month. Um, and we're basically providing uh, obesity medicine education to other healthcare providers to be able to uh, educate and empower them to provide compassionate and evidence-based um, treatment options and resources to their patients. That's great. Congratulations on starting this up. This is so important because it can be frustrating for a physician who's been in practice 20, 30 years to sort of see the same thing over and over again. It's burnout. And But what you're offering, Dr. Mittal, is you're offering resources and probably a new perspective that some physicians have never had before. I love what I do. Um, you know, I knew that I, I needed to do this. Like, you know, it was, it was, it's, it's my passion. It's what I want to be able to kind of do for my community. And I want to be able to practice medicine in this way. It's not easy owning your own practice. And <laughs> it's definitely something that, you know, probably more than once a week, I go, oh my gosh, <laughs> what did I get myself into here? I could just go get a job. But um, when I am in my exam room with my patient, when I reach out to them or when they tell me, you know, I, I am making this change and I feel so good about this and I couldn't have done this without you or I really am, I am or even just healing the, the relationship with food, you know, with, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier with the diet culture and just, you know, certain foods get vilified or people become like scared to eat certain foods or it's like certain foods are off limits and you know, whatever the latest trend is. 
-hmm. And to really kind of give that ability back to a person to um, be able to enjoy, um, you know, even there, I always say like, there's room in our lives for chocolate cake, maybe just not every day, right? Um, So to be able to mindfully indulge, I, I talk a lot about that with my patients. That's important because, you know, the occasional treat is something that should be built into a uh, complete lifestyle, but it doesn't mean that we're eating it every day. So I just try to lean back on those experiences and that feedback. And then I say, well, you know, I'm in the right place. And maybe when I get frustrated or when it's challenging, I just, that's on me to figure out how to make it work or how to get those systems in place so that I can continue to do what I'm doing. And, you know, with this lifestyle medicine board, which I'm about to take um, in a few weeks, I'm really excited because I decided to roll out a lifestyle medicine program kind of separate from the weight management side, because I think a lot of people are just looking for help, but maybe not necessarily from the angle of weight management, right? Um, And so that's going to be, for now, a purely virtual consultation and it's going to be a 60 minute. I just recently, uh, you know, kind of put it on my website and I'm excited to roll that out because I think that um, I have the knowledge to offer and the tools and I want to be able to reach more people with that. You started off saying that it's not easy owning your own practice. Did you have to close your clinic at all? So I actually just went completely virtual. Are you seeing patients in person? You know, during the first evaluation, I really like to be able to meet them in person, mm-hmm. um, if possible. And then after that, uh, you know, because I do my physical exam, I'm checking their vitals. We do a body composition analysis to better, uh, you know, kind of assess body fat and muscle mass, which is important um, when you're, you know, kind of setting your health goals and to, to better understand where somebody's health is. Because again, like I said, BMI doesn't tell the whole story. We might have somebody who has a lot of muscle. Um, but uh, after that, there, there's definitely the option to, to do it virtually. And, um, you know, that's been a blessing, actually. It's been wonderful to be able to provide the continuity during that time when things were shut down. Because one of the things we know um, with people who are making a lifestyle change and who are working on weight loss is that the accountability and the frequent touch points, they do make a difference. And so to be able to offer that in addition, of course, to the weekly uh, check-ins, we have a secure communication app that we use to be able to text our patients and they can text back. Uh, But, you know, being able to do things virtually has been um, kind of, I guess it's here to stay. (laughs) It has opened doors for so many people, like you said, to reach out to a broader group of people. So what will that look like for you doing a virtual program that's lifestyle medicine related? Well, it's still evolving, but I'm hoping that what it's going to look like, what I envision is that number one, just being able to reach a broader group of people. I'm envisioning people who are just, you know what, I really need to, as a family, we just need to eat healthier. Um, I want guidance on how to do that. Or it might be that, you know, people learn. So I do a lot of education. I have a blog and I do a lot of education there. I uh, post on Facebook. I have an Instagram micro blog in a way. Um, And I, you know, just, so just basically trying to like empower people with saying, look, Um, you can address your lack of sleep and hear the effects of that lack of sleep on your health 
and let me help you with that. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be, you know, how to eat healthier or how to eat more plant forward or more plant based. Uh, I myself, um, on my health journey, uh, really for ethical reasons, initially, I became vegetarian eight years ago. And I'm slowly becoming, you know, solely plant based. Uh, You know, sometimes there's deviations here and there, because I think that's just that that that's my journey. (laughs) So and I get a lot of people who come to me. um, And I try to meet people wherever they are, and then try to make changes from there. So I'll never tell somebody like, you must become this, but I will show you that here are the advantages of if you can have more plants in your life, if you can eat less meat, if you can cut down on your saturated fat, here's how we can drive down inflammation. Here's how we can get more foods in you that are going to be higher in antioxidants and fiber and all the things that can help to you know improve the certain medical conditions. So mm-hmm. what I envision for the virtual program, which is what you asked me, is you know, doing these uh, kind of 60 minute consultations. And I think that I'll probably offer like a one off versus a package because I still think that a little bit of continuity or for a period of time working with me, you're going to get more out of it. Um, I plan to cover the pillars of, uh, you know, lifestyle medicine, we'll be addressing that from a nutrition, sleep, stress, Um, avoiding, you know, harmful substances, social connection, all of that. And then I'm also planning to launch a series of courses that people can just a la carte watch webinars. Um, I already create uh, recipes in my kitchen, which are on my blog, you know, just really kind of inspire people and give them tools, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I envision right now. That's, you know, I'm sure it's going to evolve. I would love to collaborate with other uh, physicians and um, healthcare providers and dietitians and you know people like you in the community to put on webinars and well hopefully in person events too maybe virtual cook alongs for now. <laughs> this is what I want to see in my physician. I want to see my physician in the kitchen, and uh, it, <laughs> that sounds awkward, Doctor Mittal. It's amazing how much um, power we give our physicians. We sort of look to you guys as being a tremendous resource. I think we have to walk the walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I know that, you know, but we're also human, right? So mm-hmm. health providers are human. And even though we may want to walk the walk, I think a lot of times, you know, we struggle with things just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what kind of makes us relatable, I hope, also, right? Yes. Like. We may not be perfect, but I should at least be trying and I should at least be incorporating the things that I'm telling you to put in your life into place. I need to be working on those as well. Yes. (laughs) So you really specialize in disease prevention. You know, I get a lot of patients who come in with fatty liver disease, diabetes, prediabetes, polycystic ovarian syndrome, high cholesterol, um, you know, heart disease, and they are you know, looking for how do I prevent progression if it's already happened, Um, reverse disease, and I'll use the word reverse because it is possible in some cases. Um, And then, you know, just uh, how to um, really like optimize, right? So those are the three things that we can do. And I, I incorporate intermittent fasting into my treatment plans. I you know, in, incorporate again, the food is medicine, I use medications as well when appropriate. And I think that a lot of times, you know, the holistic world and the Western medicine kind of clash, 
But I think there's a place where they intersect. And where we have to be careful is when we start, you know, kind of going, I guess, extremely one way or the other, depending on what the situation in front of us is, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If somebody's having a heart attack, I want them getting the Western medicine stent in their heart right away <laughs> mm -hmm. to prevent that heart attack right away. But then they also need to be being given the tools right after on how can you prevent the next one? And it can't just be a pill. Do you have any tips on how people can kind of get started towards a healthier lifestyle? Don't go all or nothing. You have to get rid of all or nothing approach and thinking. So that gets us into trouble. And then that's what happens when you go all in with something and you deviate just a little bit. And then you think, oh, well, you know, and not you, this is anybody who's in that situation is going to think, well, now I've really kind of blown it. So whatever, I might as well just go back to what I was doing. So make small, sustainable changes and start where you are, be kind to yourself, don't judge yourself and get help if you need it. You know, I think that um, a lot of times, especially if somebody has been on that path for a long time, and maybe they've kind of gotten to a situation where they, you know, maybe weight, weight gain has happened, and they're getting into that situation where maybe the small changes are not seeing the impact that they want to see it can become very easy to become discouraged and say, well, the scale is what's defining me and every, oh my God, I ate this. And then today my scale did this tomorrow. I eat this, my scale did that. And you're, you're, you're letting that scale kind of determine your actions. And that is not um, okay because it sends you down the wrong path and day-to-day -day variations on the scale are nothing but water. Mm -hmm. So instead, you know, looking at it from the standpoint of, over time, what changes are you seeing? Yes, maybe weight might be changing, but also are, is, is waist circumference changing? That's an important one for people who are gaining weight in their midsection because we know that's detrimental to their health. Hey, set goals related to your habits. Like I'm going to um, cut out sugar and I'm going to limit my sugary treats to maybe like once a week or twice a week. Well, that's a, that, that's a change that is specific. It's measurable. It's attainable. It's relevant. That's part of the smart goal setting. Um, and then you can say, great, I'm going to give myself one month to achieve that and then celebrate your wins and then progress from there. You know, so I think making small sustainable changes, um, you know, I think people know about the fact that what we eat matters so small changes can be cutting out processed foods, processed high sugar, high fat foods that are made in a factory and just trying to eat real food, right? Like that's a simple thing. It sounds kind of silly saying it, but actually it's not always what's happening, right? Because we're a very convenience, go, go, go culture. And we, you know, are sometimes on the go. And so finding resources like what you guys provide in the community or what I have on my website or other places on hey, you know what? Eating healthy can be easy. Like I gave, I made a plant forward eating uh, guide recently. And that was, hey, stock up your pantry with these things. And then you can use your Instapod and create something really easy. So start with that. Start with the small changes with that. Know that sleep is important. Know that you have to have strategies in place for stress management. And, um, you know, really working on things from that perspective, I think makes a difference rather than saying, okay, I must do this right away. And then, and then, and then you quote unquote fail because it's hard to 
turn around in, in one day. <laughs> yes. I really feel like we've been given an opportunity to sort of self-reflect and self-care during this year, you know? How well-known is your field, by the way, by the average person? I don't know that it's well-known by the average person because I think it's really hard for people to differentiate what this is versus others. And I think the reason why also is because a lot of, you know, kind of, uh, I'm going to say organizations, clinics and things out there say um, that they're that they're medical, <laughs> but it might just be that there's a very brief cursory interaction with someone from the medical field. But, um, you know, this particular type of specialty and approach, it's growing. There's more and more people who are uh, physicians from all walks of life, nurse practitioners, um, other, you know, healthcare providers who are becoming specialized in this. And then we're able to kind of raise more awareness about the field. And do you have a sort of a SSS story that, uh, from a patient that you work with? You know, I have, um, I have one patient that, uh, you know, sometimes you just don't know kind of what the impact has been on somebody, but um, she stands out to me because I think she had struggled her whole life, really. Um, she had a diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome and just, you know, really struggled with uh, weight, man. Well, from her angle, it was about weight initially. And, um, and just like, just her struggle. And really, I think that there was a lot of judgment on her end. And, you know, um, through a combination of uh, really kind of mindset work and changing her perspective on the fact that I think when you tell somebody that there is something medically going on with you that really makes this really difficult for you. And it's not just that you don't have willpower. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Knowing that really takes a big burden off of people. So I think that was really a turning point for her. And then also knowing that um, she could indulge when she wanted to, but really changing the mindset around there's no forbidden foods that made a big impact. And then using food as medicine, like really kind of realizing that you can change the way you eat and that can have an impact. And then last but not least, she also incorporated fasting into her life. And I think that, um, again, that can be a slippery slope and it's a separate topic um, because it's not about starving yourself. It's really just about kind of deciding when you eat and when you don't eat. But that combination of things for her it's just really memorable because I think she's somebody who a really kind of it. I know that this time it's not just like a fad diet for her. Like I've been seeing her for you know a while now and we're in the maintenance phase and it was really like um, great to see all the labs just normalize. And, you know, again, everything I just mentioned was really about her changes. Cause I think those were just really impactful, but even from a, health provider standpoint to see the numbers change and see the inflammation going down and just, you know, she's just living her, her, her best life. And, and not to say that it's not, it's still something that requires effort and thought and intention every day. That's a great story. And I imagine it's very empowering for the patient as well to know that that individual played a big role in, in lowering the numbers, improving his or her health. Yeah, but I think that sometimes they put too much 
value or, or uh, too much into like, well, you know, maybe the medication that you gave me had the biggest impact, or maybe just because you were working with me. And I said, well, I turn it back and I go, well, yeah, maybe those were tools, but you're doing the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when, when, when someone, you know, when I do my informational consults, a lot of times I, I will say, well, you know, you got to do 80% of the work here, you know, so you have to be ready to make that commitment and, uh, and that lifestyle change, but know that I will be there to partner with you. <laughs> yes. Partnership. I love that word. Dr. Mittal, what do you love most about what you do? I think I love the most being able to blend my medical expertise with the lifestyle and really being able to kind of intersect those and be able to offer people the the medical information and assessment of this is what is going on with you. These are our treatment options. These are the things that you can do to impact them. And I think that empowering people with that information is Mm -hmm. something that I really enjoy. I can see how that could be very fulfilling. And if a patient or an individual is interested in becoming a patient of yours, can you remind us again how they can get started? Sure. So, yeah, easiest is to go to my website. It's radianthealthdallas.com. And there you can, if you're wanting to become a patient, you can book your free informational consult right from the website. I also have a newsletter that I send out every month. So even if, you know, maybe you don't necessarily want to become a patient yet, but you want to get information, I share recipes. I share uh, my wellness blog. Um, You can just sign up and subscribe to that. You get a free download to a Mediterranean diet type of grocery guide. And um, I will have my plant-based grocery or pantry thing on there soon too. So, you know, um, again, I have recipes and things like that, that you might find useful in the meantime. And then once I get that lifestyle medicine program going, you can take advantage of that. So be sure if you would like to learn more, you can uh, follow me on Facebook and Instagram. It's at Richa MD, And I have a private Facebook group as well, just for anyone looking for tips on wellness and collaboration and support. It's called Radiant Living. I'll include all of those links that you just shared with us. Well, wonderful. Is there like a final message that you'd like to convey to our listeners? So my parting words of advice are to live mindfully. And that means in in every moment, whether you're sitting while you could be standing, or maybe you've been sitting in front of the television for a long time, get up and move, small ways to improve your nutrition. Uh, Maybe you exchange out uh, refined bread for whole wheat bread. So there's, you know, just having that mindfulness and what that means is in this present moment, what can I do that will serve my health in a way in the direction that I'm trying to go? And I think that that can have a big impact over the long term. That's a wonderful message. Thank you so much again, Dr. Richa Mittal, for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. You've been listening to the Plant-Based DFW podcast show. If you like our content, please like, share, and leave a review. Our goal is to provide quality episodes to help support the community.